After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Bob Hyam, President and CEO of Hawaii Medical Service Association, a nonprofit mutual benefit association which provides health care coverage to more than half of the state's population. Hyam is also involved in several community organizations, including the Blood Bank of Hawaii, and the Children's Discovery Center. He is also chairman of the board for the Pacific Health Research Institute. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Bob Hyam. Welcome to our show, Bob. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Evan. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about HMSA? Well, HMSA uh, was founded in 1938, and it was really a uh, community movement. Of came out of a uh, of a meeting of territorial social workers. Uh, that was basically looking to start a prepaid health care system. And if you think about that back that time, it was right towards the ends of the Depression. And this uh, sort of prepaid movement started on the mainland, but this was the first one that was consumer-driven as opposed to uh, hospital or physician-driven. So it was from that that just sort of it built and was successful and uh, in the 1940s became affiliated with Blue Cross and Blue Shield, so we are the Blue Cross Blue Shield Plan of Hawaii. Um, while we are a not-for-profit uh, charter, uh, we do pay federal taxes and uh, operate, you know, like most businesses would, but basically providing health care primarily through businesses. We do have about 5% or so of our membership uh, individual um, plans, uh, individual people that buy the plan, but uh, mostly through, through large groups and small groups. How did you get involved with the company? What's what's your story for that? Oh, okay. I graduated from the University of Hawaii uh, in December of 1969 and thought it would be good to get a job. Um, it was either that or probably I grew up in Montana, go back uh, and work for my dad in the electrical business. And so I went into the University Placement Center, and there was a job for a management trainee at this place called HMSA. So I wandered in, and uh, after a couple weeks of interviews, and they hired me, and so I started basically in the claims department as a management trainee. You've been with the company since then? Since then. Wow. And did you ever have your sights on higher management? Yeah, I probably did. Initially, it was don't lose this job. You know, work hard, <laughs> learn the business, show them what you can do. Uh, and it's an interesting business, and I just... Uh, had opportunities. Uh, HMSA was growing, adding business at the time, and I, you know, I believe that being in the right place at the right time has a lot to do with things. And and I think I was there, and just sort of worked up through levels of management and levels of responsibility. So, what were the various job positions you've had in thirty-seven years at the same company? Oh, that sounds long. Um, it started in the claims department, basically learning the, the just the basis. Uh, you can you figure if you're an insurance company in health business, 
processing claims is your core business. So learn that. After about the first year, uh, the state contracted with us to take the Medicaid program over. And so I ended up as the supervisor of that. And that was probably the the best on-the-job training. It was like, okay, the contract signed October 1st. We're going to start December 1st. Probably need 15 people to start out with. You know, we can take maybe five or six from existing staff, go hire nine people. And at that point, it's they seem like they're alive, they breathe, bring them in, and we'll train them. And then it just, uh, it was a very exciting time to build that up, to build new systems, put that in place, build the staff, uh, and do that in a public program where the contract's with a, with a state, uh, where there's constant auditing and looking at what you're doing. So uh, it was a real training ground. Through your experience with HMSA, did you ever think that you may leave or eventually come back since you did enjoy the company? Um, and the reason I ask is it seems nowadays a lot of our generation, we kind of hop from company to company, although we are having good experiences at where we are. Yeah, you know, I think when I first started, um, and at that age, I was 22, you never think, I'm going to go into this company and I'm going to stay forever. You know, this, well, I've got a job now, and then I'll decide what I really want to do. Uh, and then you progress, you like the company, uh, you like the people you work with, and before you know it, uh, you've got a five-year award, and then you've got a 10-year award, and, you know, then pretty soon you got a 35-year award. <laughs> But I know what you mean because I, you know, talking to younger people, it's like, oh yeah, I've been there 37 years. You couldn't get a job anywhere else, you know. And basically, it's like it's hard to understand that you would do that. But if you like the people you're working with, I'd say majority of my friends are coworkers, uh, and you like what you're doing and and what your company stands for. Um, time goes fast, and and I've never regretted not trying anything else. And have a lot of your colleagues also been there for, you know, a while like you? Yeah, there's a, uh, it's a good mix, but there's a there's a real core of people, there, people that started right around the same time I did, that are colleagues and uh, people that I, you know, hired when I first started, and I was young, and they're starting to retire. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, because I'm not quite ready for that. Um, but there is a lot of longevity there. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Bob Hyam, President and CEO of Hawaii Medical Service Association, a nonprofit mutual benefit association which provides health care coverage to more than half of the state's population. 
Bob, what do you think has been the most important aspect or trait that has led you to become the CEO? Well, I think, you know, again, I think being at that right place at the right time and and certainly having built up the career uh, from the government program side, then I took over data processing and then I took over the finance department. So uh, about the time when uh, the people were ready to move on and retire, I had, I was in a position where I was a senior officer and I had had a lot of experience on what makes the company run both from the the operations side, the financial side, and the marketing side. So, you know, I think that and having uh, very good mentors. Uh, my predecessor was a gentleman named Marvin Hall, and I had essentially worked for Marvin almost all my career, either directly or, you know, a couple levels up he was. But, uh, you know, that, that sort of mentoring helped a lot, I think. Can you share a story about in the right place at the right time because there's a couple of things also that you have to have one you have to be prepared for it and then you have to take advantage of it so maybe your favorite story of well being- I'll let you in on one secret I don't know that I ever felt prepared for any of it you know and I, I think you're there and you move along and somebody says oh you're gonna be the new manager of this area and outwardly you say that's great that's fine and inwardly you say boy I hope I can do this because I haven't done this before and I think that that you know, get you moving and makes you work a little harder to prove you can. What I mean, if if you're in a company that isn't growing at all and people aren't moving at all, then realistically you probably aren't going to going to have much of a career path. That lesson I think I got when I first graduated and I was out interviewing with other companies and I went in and I thought I had a I got my degree in psychology. And so I thought, well maybe personnel. And I'd go in and make cold calls on these companies and talk to the personnel officer. Finally, one of them said, you know, you're basically coming in here and our personnel shops are maybe three or four people. And you're telling me you want a management career in personnel. And you're essentially telling me you want my job and I'm not planning to go anywhere. So I I think that was a good story to kind of open my eyes that maybe you need to sort of move to where the opportunities might be as opposed to uh, keeping too narrowly focused in something. So where do you think that, you know, passion comes into this? Because a lot of people, they come on, they talk about they found their passion and they they didn't get caught up in money issues or so on, and that's it, things kind of worked out. What What's your take on something like that? Yeah, I one is if you, if you don't like what you're doing or you don't like the people you work with, um, I would think it would be very hard to get up every morning and come into work and face that. And, you know, we have people that come to HMSA and they're there for some time and it isn't the right fit and they go somewhere else and they do very well. And I think that's great that they found the right place. But um, I think if, if you don't believe in what you're doing or you, you think this is the most boring job in the world and you can't wait until your lunch, or uh, then you probably should look around for something else. And I don't, you know, and not everybody's passion is going to be the same. You mentioned earlier about mentors. Are you able to share with us some of the important lessons they had taught you to be prepared for the CEO position or just to be a leader? Well, I think the one that comes to mind, again, with my predecessor, is that he was never one to dwell on your mistakes. And if anybody goes through and doesn't make any mistakes, they probably didn't 
you know, do enough, take enough risk. But it was, okay, you did that. I hope you learned from it. Let's get behind us and let's move on. And to me, that was really a key in giving you confidence that, you know, you could try something that went wrong. You'd go and say, I made a mistake here. I learned from it. And somebody wasn't going to fire you. And I think, you know, I like, I kind of carry that forward that I think that people always try to do their best in a job, or most do. I can't imagine somebody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to go in and see how I can screw up today. You know, I mean, that just doesn't happen. So, you know, I usually give people the benefit of the doubt. And and I guess as, a, as opposed to my feelings and taking on more responsibility, I probably tended to push people in before they were ready, before they thought they were ready. Uh, but knowing that they would just work harder and that, that they would gain it and they would be in control of it. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Bob Hyam, President and CEO of Hawaii Medical Service Association. Bob, in your career, that you've been in the same company for a long time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that sounds a bad. A few decades. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Longer than I've been alive. But uh, what's, your, what's your advice uh, for other people that, you know, on how to build a career like that, to stay at the same company and, and be excited to go there every day after, you know, 30-something years? Well, you know, one, I th- you've got to believe in the company. You've got to believe in what they do. And the company culture kind of has to to fit you. And, um, you know, while HMSA is a large company by Hawaii standards, you know, I I grew up a lot with that company, and it does have a real family orientation. Um, and so, as I said, you know, if I look around and counted up all my friends, the majority of them are probably people that – from HMSA, and, and a lot of them were about in the same age range and kind of grew up in the company together. So, you know, I, th- I think that could happen in any company. But I would say, and I really believe, that our management staff operates a lot as a team. There really isn't backstabbing. There really isn't, you know, I really got to cover myself. Because somebody that comes in like that doesn't fit in and probably won't last very long. So, it's just finding the right feel. If you go into a company and you don't feel that, or you go into a company and you say, you know, this thing is going to turn over in the next five years because I'm looking at the ages of this. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and then I can make an impact. I mean, those are the things that I think you need to look for. When you were approached to take this CEO position, were you prepared? <laughs> well, I mean, what was your reaction? Obviously, outside, oh, Wow, thank you. That's really great. Inside it was, 
Boy, oh boy, I don't. I wasn't expecting this right now. You know, I thought I had a few more years. <laughs> and um, you, you, you switch gears and move into it quicker. So was your predecessor preparing you, you know, did he give you that time to say, this is the steps that's, you know, ahead of you. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to learn. Follow me this way. You know, he probably did it, but without saying that. I mean, it was, if you look at the assignments, but we are a lot different style-wise. He probably still understands and knows more about the intricacies of the healthcare business than most of us around. And he just learned things and retained them. Probably wasn't as comfortable outside. We have a very strong operating staff, a very strong chief operating officer, which allows me time to then do more out in the community uh, and in other areas. And I think, you know, that that fits for the team that we have in there right now. So that comes to another question, which is how do you find the right people and how do you sort out from, you know, the interview process and so on when they're putting their best foot forward? How do you know these are the people you're you want to work with? Well, again, I had the advantage of being there for some time and having people working with me around that you know their capabilities. And so a number a fair amount of that core team has been at HMSA for some time. Our chief financial officer, though, I recruited from our competitor. And he had been there like only one year. Uh, prior to that, he had been with an airline. And I had some dealings with him because we were about to become an unsecured creditor of that airline. But, you know, he, he did such a straightforward, nice job of coming in and explaining why they didn't quite get to the point they were that he would walk out there instead of being angry that they didn't, I'd say, boy, I'm glad I don't have his job. And so, you know, when we had the opening, I sat down and talked to him, and it's been a great fit. He's uh, great in terms of understanding the business, understanding the outside part of it as well as the inside, uh, but also, you know, very, very technically competent. When you talked about putting a good team together so that you can actually go out and be involved in the community, is this something that your predecessor taught you, or is this something that you've always been involved in? Well, I think uh, that there's a pretty good corporate culture of community involvement at HMSA. It was certainly encouraged you know, prior to becoming CEO. I had first got involved, probably AUW was my first involvement, and it was on one of their allocation panels, which basically you know, is a group of 10 or 11 people that sits and looks at, based on, and we had the special education group, uh, how we divide up what, what money we had in going out and meeting with those entities. So you sort of build that community involvement, and it's and it's certainly carried on where, you know, I expect our senior management and people that are up and coming to show some interest and be involved in the community. Would you say it's kind of a prerequisite for people hitting the top levels of large companies that they need to be involved with the community? Uh, from a practical standpoint, absolutely. Uh, you know, I you probably could go along and not be involved. Um, it's very difficult. and This is a small community, and, uh, you know, the leaders in the business community see each other a lot and at a lot of different functions. And when it comes time to raising money for the next function, um, the list is pretty limited here. And so it's the same people that sit around and make the same calls and trade off depending on what it is. And I just don't imagine that if you were heading a fairly large business here and chose not to participate in that, 
that how you would ever get into network with some of these people. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time Neptune nights, the sunshine in your mouth For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com Neptune nights, the sunshine in your mouth Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Bob Hyam, President and CEO of Hawaii Medical Service Association. In 2004, HMSA was presented with the Franklin Delano Roosevelt Award for Distinguished Community Service from the March of Dimes, and the Multiple Sclerosis Society presented the MS Hope Award to HMSA for its outstanding commitment to community. Bob, you told us a little bit about how being involved in the community was really important if you are a business leader in Hawaii. Are you able to tell us a little bit of your involvement? Sure. I, um, As I said, I really got started community involvement with Aloha United Way and uh, actually got to the point where there are term limits on that board and served on the board and uh, termed off. And then about three or so, four years ago, I had been off my obligatory year or so, got a call, would I come back on, which was sure, uh, well, would you be chair of the board? Oh, really? Okay. And the person that was asking me, I knew was probably not going to be there real long. So then my next question, and and how long do you plan to stay around? And he said, well, um, two years, but here's the plan for transition. And and so I realized I was going to have this opportunity to lead it through a a pretty major transition from a leader that had, you know, been the, the chief professional officer at Aloha United Way for 14, 15 years here. And so I took that back on, and uh, that took a fair amount of my time. But there have been other things that, you know, have been interesting to be involved in. I mentioned earlier, I think, in the introduction, uh, the Children's Discovery Center. I did uh, served on that board for 10 years, and I did go off of there in January. You know, it's... The amount of boards you could serve on is sort of endless. And so I've always kind of kept it limited to the number that I felt that I could actually participate in. Because if if you can't go to the board meetings, if you can't participate in it, this really isn't a community that needs names on the board. They need people, you know, that can provide, you know, some direction, some strategy or some that one great idea. And so 
I try to keep that balance. I joined the UH Foundation Board about two years ago. And, you know, that's very interesting. Very interesting times at UH. Foundation is sort of the central fundraiser for UH. And, you know, they're kind of getting off the ground, moving along. And then they have a turnover in president. So there's just been a lot of interesting challenges to do it. But there's, you know, again, a lot of really good people at, at the university and a lot of good people that are involved uh, in the foundation. You know, those are those are two of the sort of the nonprofit activities I'm involved in. How do you decide which which organizations to get involved in? Because I'm sure everyone wants a piece of, you know, your expertise and your experience. There's two things that really drive that. What does the organization do? And is it something you feel that you can contribute to? And the second, you know, really gets down to who's asking. And so if it's somebody that you spent a lot of <laughs> chits out there by asking them to do something uh, or they're close, you respect them very much, then you tend to say, okay, I'll do this, um, whether you feel you had the time to do it or not. That's what it really comes down to. What's your opinion on using nonprofit side as almost a leadership training ground for key management? Uh, Walter Dodds, when he came in, said that, that for their company, they have to have two tracks, and one track was your business side, but you had to have the community side. And by taking leadership positions in nonprofits and community organizations, your skills get better really fast. What, what's your opinion on that? I agree with that. I think, you know, and we'll have two things. Some, sometimes there will be people that will call me and say, you know, we'd like you to be on our board, but we, you know, we know that you're probably too busy, which, which may means we really don't want you on the board, but we want somebody else from HMSA, and that's okay. But, you know, who would you recommend? And actually, I prefer that because then we can use it as part of the leadership program and designate people that we, you know, we want to make that investment in. And then the other is that the people themselves have some connections and come in and say, oh, by the way, I just joined such and such board. And that's great. They may not sort of be a fast-track kind of person, but I think that that's, they have the passion for it. They get involved in it. That, I mean, that's really good. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.